Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's 5 o'clock and this is John Katsimatidis and we got one great show for you today. But I'll tell you, we got so many people in the studio, we're going to start falling out the windows, I guess. The good news is we're only on the second floor. You know what it is, John? <laughs> it is the hottest show in New York. Everybody wants to be on it. Can you blame them? Uh, I can't in, blame them. In the studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Tony Carbonetti, the used-to-be chief of staff or, or the, the boss underneath, the big boss of uh, Rudy Giuliani. How are you, John? And uh, we got Governor Patterson. Governor, good to have you here. Thank you. And uh, we have Rudy Washington. Good morning, now. And now, are we doing anything different? We got the black side and that side of the <laughs> studio and the white side of the studio. They told the two of us to sit over here. <laughs> it's like, so, uh, I, mean, you, I mean, do you feel like you're on the back of the bus or anything? Or? <laughs> no, are no, you okay? Actually, John, it's Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. That's okay, the line. So that's the way we did it. Yeah, just okay. like America. And we have a special guest from uh, Washington. Uh, we have John Alcoff. Did I say yeah. it right? John is like our, our unofficial advisor, John. You have to explain. He is like, he always when gives us these great scoops. In Washington, we know about it first. You know why? Because of John. John's got the pulse on everything. We have a full house. So it's me and the boys. I am thrilled to be with all of you guys. I love it every day, John. It's awesome. Three, three deuces and two queens? <laughs> <laughs> it's a full house. We okay, love it. Okay, we have a great guest now. We, by the way, we've got a great lineup, John. We've got Michael Goodwin coming up. we got Miranda Devine coming up. Um, and also, we have Madeline Brame. She was the most passionate witness that was at the hearing this week with Alvin Bragg. Remember the whole hearing on his crime issue? This was the Jim Jordan GOP-led hearing. She was amazing. Sadly, story, of course, about losing her son. She is going to be with us. We you got a blockbuster show. You lose a son or a daughter, you never make it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is a heartbreaking, heartbreaking story. And we also have with us now Michael Goodwin, who is joining us, who wrote a blockbuster column talking about crime in New York and specifically about those hearings by Jim Jordan. Uh, Michael Goodwin, the great Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Uh, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Thank you, Rita. You know, your column, I thought, was spot on. Talk about how it has become so politicized and how the Democrats even in the hearing, kept saying, what crime? We see it every day, Michael. We see it. Yeah, I thought it was uh, uh, an exhibition of cluelessness on the part of the Democrats. Uh, as I wrote in the column, I in the beginning, I thought it would probably would not be a significant event, the hearing, that the that it was it was so clearly a response to Alvin Bragg indicting Donald Trump, and uh, that gave the Democrats and of course their media shills all the ammunition they would need to downplay it and practically ignore it. But I was really surprised uh, that the way Democrats reacted to the witnesses, such as Madeline, Madeline Brain, um, when. Dan Goldman, the representative from Lower Manhattan and parts of Brooklyn, interrupted her. She scolded him. Uh, Jerry Nadler got a scolding from a father whose son was beaten uh, by an anti-Semitic mob. So you, you had the Democrats almost wanting to say, 
Yes, yes. Your suffering is terrible. But what's really important is that the Republicans are playing games here. And I thought that they were heartless in ignoring the, the, te- the testimony of, of, these, of the witnesses who had suffered, uh, Madeleine Brain losing her son, uh, a man named Borgen, his son beaten up. I mean, there were other witnesses who came forward like that. And in each case, Bragg had downgraded the charges. And this, to me, was something quite serious and quite heartbreaking to hear people uh, testify, as John just said, if you lose a child, I mean, it is it is shattering for people and for the Democrats not to understand that, to to sort of look over it and think they could reach the audience by saying, oh, politics, Donald Trump, politics, Republicans, Donald Trump. I mean, they said nothing of substance about crime. And of course, they don't feel it because most of them have some kind of government protection and they don't ride the subways. They're not walking on the streets alone. Uh, So they personally don't fear crime, I guess, which makes them an exception. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we need term limits. Yeah, or they don't want to admit it. I mean, they kept saying term limits works. You know, I go back to Judge Weinberg that's here, him and Peter Vallone, you guys really screwed it up. I will, you tell you again, for the record, I will tell you again for the record, and Michael Goodwin knows this, Vallone tried to stop term limits from being imposed. It was I saw Ron the movie. who pushed it. Let the record be clear. <laughs> I saw Michael Goodwin was in the movie. You were in the movie. Carbonetti, I didn't see you in the movie. Yeah, he's going to become a superstar now. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead, yeah. Gut Patterson. You got a question. <laughs> so, Michael, I think that we've reached a point. It's like a point of inflection in politics and government. You know, whenever there's a hearing, and let's say you're on the other side of the issue, and the and the uh, people who have called the hearing put someone on, like the woman who's talking about her dead son. The last thing you would ever do is interrupt her. Or the last thing you'd ever do is say, oh, yeah, we feel sorry about that. However, and then there's some issue. How could anything, any issue be more than a dead child? And so what, what I think has happened is that the whole art of politics is being lost. And it isn't just Democrats. But in this particular situation, this is an example of it where people don't even use common sense and read the room, and you'll get to have your argument on another day. But there's certain times you just have to tip your hat to your adversary and let your adversary have their say. It seemed so disconnected, Governor Patterson. To me, I was outraged. I saw, I was watching the hearings, and I felt it was so heartless and so disconnected and so completely inappropriate. And I was so glad that Madeline Brame and these others went right back at the Democrats and said, how dare you? I am talking about my dead son. How dare you say uh, it's about Trump or it's about it was they they deserve that moment. Go ahead, Michael Goodwin. Well, I I agree with you, Governor. I think that um, one of the things that's happened now is is the people in Washington are so caught up in the uh, partisan struggle that it seems to cloud everything. They don't see anything else other than the other team's fingerprints on something. Nothing is ever judged on the merits. It's only judged on the source of it. And this is the this is a formula for breakdown. I mean, it really it really makes it very difficult to get anything done. Each seat in the, especially the Senate, but in the House, too, now becomes so precious that, uh, of course, the Republicans will uh, 
defend George uh, Santos to, at some point. Uh, the Democrats, you know, with seems half of the Senate's in the hospital somewhere now, uh, and, and they can't get anything done. Uh, so, Governor Patterson liked that one. He was laughing on that one. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, look at the Fetterman situation. I mean, you know, it. People would not tolerate that, except his vote is so important because the margin is so narrow. So it, it, it's really a devilish time in the sense that nothing else matters, only politics. Uh, I mean, if there's any departure from either team, uh, it's a big deal. I mean, uh, we're, we're getting so but, many straight party-line votes now. But, Michael, uh, this is Rudy Washington. It, it, we're, we're, we're in a as the governor just said, an inflection point. This is serious. Uh, How do the people of Pennsylvania, and I don't mean to disparage his name, but Senator Fetterman, please, uh, when you do hearings like this, and this is a perilous moment for us geopolitically. Um, We got our enemies knocking at our door. They're challenging the dollar as a reserve currency. Uh, We got so much going against us. And we're having silly arguments. I it's is heartaching. I don't know. Any By the other way, there was some breaking news before. I don't know if it's public yet. That Pakistan is now buying from Russia at a discount on oil. Officially, finally, because they were kind of doing, I think, unofficially for a while. I mean, how much more can we take as a country? Oh, you got you, you got Pakistan buying it. You got India buying it. You got Saudi Arabia buying it, selling it. You got Iran doing whatever they're hey, hey, doing. John, John, if, if the country all went EV tomorrow, could we charge our cars? No. Exactly. And what would it cost nationally? Well, to, that's another big problem. We're going to be talking about cars later. Uh, and uh, again, it must have been uh, uh, Peter Valone and Richard Weinberg's fault. <laughs> if everything is. Isn't everything his fault? I yes, mean... Richard. <laughs> John, in that coalition you just mentioned. This Pakistan, is Tony Carbonetti, everybody. Pakistan, Russia, China, Saudi. Russia and China are the nuclear countries everyone else wants to be. We would never let them be. The Russians and the Chinese will. And by the way, China wow. uh, is now. I heard it first. Did you hear this? China is now trying to, uh, testing a spy drone three times the speed of sound. Uh, and where are we? I mean, this is it is crazy. So crazy. Look, I think that uh, the problems at home uh, that America is having with leadership, with any kind of bipartisanship to solve problems is another reason why our uh, enemies and adversaries are emboldened. I mean, they they look at America and they see decline. They see division and decline. And I think any of us would be hard-pressed to deny that that's true. I mean, that that is what we all see, and we see it uh, reflected in our foreign policies as weakness, that, you know, at some point the president of the United States will not be taken seriously uh, when he talks about military threat if if our country continues down this path, because nobody will fight. We will not people will not join the military. They we will not have that uh, ability. And many countries have lost that. Yeah, we're, right? yeah, I mean, and we're killing off our army with fentanyl. You know, when you yeah. look at 200,000 young people dying because of fentanyl with an open border. 
I, again, I just don't know what's the matter with these people. I really don't. Well, I mean, you got the president of El Salvador lecturing us about don't human talk rights. About, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. Judge Weinberg, well, you got a comment, too. Michael, let's look at Chicago. You have the newly elected mayor who sees riding around the streets where the, the youth are just terrorizing the good people of Chicago. Chicago is on its way out. It's a civilized city. And he says we should not be demonizing the, the kids. So yeah, what does that tell you about the mindset? Opportunities. I mean, it's, it's the same story that the left has been singing for 50 years, right? That, that we, we can't, we can't uh, punish crime because it's not fair. Uh, they just want what other people have and they don't have. Uh, I mean, if you take that position, then you can never arrest anybody for anything almost. So I think it's a disaster. I have to say, you know, I, it makes me think, you know, the Democrats have chosen Chicago to be their convention site. Uh, that's going to be very interesting if, uh, if if the young people there go on a crime spree. Uh, what's the Democratic Party going to yeah, do? 68 all over again, but for different I reasons. Say, I had that <laughs> conversation with somebody today. Uh, only this time, the police will not be involved, right? <laughs> oh, because the God. police, the, the police are quitting in Chicago faster than they're quitting in New York. The mayor obviously doesn't believe in arresting these people. That would be demonizing them. So what's going to happen to the delegates? Are they all going to bring guns <laughs> or are they all going to vote remotely? I mean, this is this is setting up to be a real <laughs> test of the party's sincerity about these crime issues. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. It is. By the way, you know, I also want to talk uh, uh, another big headline in New York. You're talking about police. There was I'm disgusted when I see some of these uh, images that are going viral all over the place. The female cop who was hit uh, with a glass bottle. And then there's this case of this guy who was running away. A new video that just got up a couple hours ago. Uh, He's speeding away and you see him running over the police. I mean, there is no respect for police these days. We got to protect them. Right. Now, look, I I think that this door has been opened and it's really incumbent on Mayor Adams to slam it shut. Uh, These attacks on the police uh, are are a sort of cultural reaction. And the mayor has to, I think, be more vocal, more determined. He, He has to protect the police. I mean, if the police are not safe, then nobody's safe. And so th- this is one of those moments, Rita, that I think it can it can turn on a dime. And this administration could be swamped by crime if it doesn't, I think, speak up more. I mean, look, we've discussed this before. I think the mayor made a huge mistake with the migrant issue. He's now criticizing the president about six months after he should have. But even then, he just wants help. He doesn't he doesn't talk about the border. It's the border, stupid. That's what's the problem. And, you know, if there's no respect for law, if 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 laws don't mean anything, if the police are just going to be targets, then who would want to be a policeman? I mean, this is this is I think you mentioned earlier an inflection point in Congress. I think it's an inflection point in this country in many ways. Yeah, sadly, yeah. Well, thank you, Michael, for coming on and, and and speaking out for the American people, speaking out for New Yorkers, because somebody has to speak out, and you're doing a great job. And uh, thank you. Thank you for what you do. And uh, we're going to be taking a break now, and when we come back... We have Madeline Brame. This is the mother who lost her son, John, um, and who testified so passionately at the congressional hearing on Monday, John.
Well, let's take that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. On Monday, there was gripping emotional testimony at Jim Jordan's, the GOP-led House hearing. It was a field hearing that took place in New York, focusing on crime in New York and also Alvin Bragg's track record on it. Well, joining us now is the woman who testified so passionately and so much from the heart. Uh, Madeline Brame lost her beautiful, heroic son in 2018, a U.S. Army veteran, Hassan Correa, and spoke out so courageously at this hearing. We are so honored to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Madeline, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us what message you wanted to get across at the hearing. You were so passionate. Our hearts, first of all, break for the loss, incredible loss of your son. Um, and what an amazing man he was. I want to hear what you wanted to get across to not just the committee, but to the world. Well, I, I think the most important thing that I wanted to get across, that we weren't there for any political reason. All right. Um, that's the first thing that we were accused of of being there um, for political reasons and being used as props. Um, and more importantly than that, I wanted to get out to the world, you know, the, the story about my son and also to bring awareness of the out of control and the runaway crime that's happening every day in our communities, that people are just completely ignoring and acting like it's not, like it doesn't exist. You know, uh, my story, as horrific as it is, my son is not the only one, right? There are hundreds of thousands of us that are suffering in silence and, and just completely paralyzed with fear of even going outside, right? Um, it doesn't have to be something as tragic as a homicide. It can be, you know, an assault, a, a robbery, you know, um, anything, any type of crime. It, it's a traumatic and, and, and horrific experience. And for it to go ignored so long here in New York, it's it's just an absolute disgrace. That in the way that we were treated, you know, at that hearing, the way the trip, the victims were treated, like we were lying, like like we, you know, um, it didn't matter. You know, Nadler, he said that I should be grateful that at least two of the people got life. Well, guess what? My son's dead forever. All four of them people should have life. There were four people involved in my son's murder, not just two. You know, so they, they minimized it. Um, what what was um, profound about the hearing is, uh, uh, what's his name, Jim Jordan went around table because they, they kept focusing on guns, 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 guns. And Jim Jordan asked each uh, victim what was, you know, uh, the person killed by. And all of us, all of us was nice violence. No one on that panel was killed by a gun. And they just completely ignored us, period. They just pounded the guns. It was guns, 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 Trump, 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 guns, guns, guns. And it, it, it was just, you know, you talk about something being staged and rehearsed. They were staged and rehearsed, not us. You know, Madeline, I want to ask you, too, because you you testified about this um, and again, we give you so much credit for speaking out, um, given what happened with your incredible son. You talked about the fact that the case you thought was lock solid 
and then suddenly it goes to Bragg's office. Tell us what happened. You felt it, it fell apart. <laughs> no, it did fall apart. <laughs> um, this, this case is uh, almost five years old. It, it resolved a few months ago, um, but in, uh, the original disc attorneys under side Vance's administration built a solid, strong, trial-ready murder case, protected it. All right, I trusted them. They were professional. All right, they were very accommodating, and they they did all the things that a ADA is supposed to do for the victim. All right, and they made sure that that case was rock solid. As soon as Bragg took office, they had to hand that case over to his new ADA, and the original ADAs resigned. They quit, like so many others of them did. As soon as Bragg took office after that day one memo came out that he wasn't going to be prosecuting crimes. You know, I guess they felt that they couldn't ethically, you know, uh, do their job. You know, they, they didn't feel they didn't feel comfortable with that, you know, being a prosecutor and not being able to prosecute crime. Anyway, as soon as his new ADA got that case, it immediately started to unravel. And two of the people, Mary Saunders, Travis Stewart, both of them, the murder and gang, gang assault, Indictments against both of them were completely dismissed, completely dismissed and came back with some manufactured bogus charges that they never did. All right. Um, assault with a shoe. Mary never assaulted my son with a shoe. What was the shoe on her foot? Was it in her hand? Did she throw it at him? You know, so so that's what she pled guilty to assault with a shoe. And she got sentenced to one year time served when on video she's doing uh, a full participant a full participant in that brutal, savage slaughter of my son, all right? And Travis Stewart attempted gang assault. How well, can you attempt to... We're, yeah, worried. we're worried about uh, the justice system in our city, in our state, in our country, and, and that's why we asked you to come on, because it doesn't seem like the, the justice system is working. Uh, we have a few people, Judge Weinberg or... Governor Patterson, anything, anybody wants to say anything? I just want to say this is Rudy Washington. I'm so sorry for your loss. We're all very so sorry. Much. I mean, losing a, losing a child, uh, none of us could. could uh, you got to be as strong as you can because none of us could take it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's like, um, and, and I asked the, the, the people on the panel, you know, I said, what if that was your child? You know, you wouldn't step, you wouldn't dare step one foot in the hood. You're telling us that we're props. But you wouldn't step one foot in the hood and tell those people in the hood that they're props. Ms. Brain, this is, this is David Patterson, and uh, I am really moved by your advocacy and your ability to relate what actually happened and to uh, demonstrate to us how this case pretty much looked like it was railroaded in the end. Yeah, it was. It was. It was padded down. Usually prosecutors pad cases up to get, you know, uh, to really, you know, trump up the charges on, on a person like they did in, in the Trump case, you know. But this case in, was reversed. It was padded down so they could get rid of it. We, we have to go on to the next. Uh, but uh, thank you okay. so much for coming on and, and describing your sorrow. And, and we're you. all here that uh, we care about you. Can I say just one last thing? Please, please of course. Visit, please visit my website at www.victimsrightsreformcouncil.org. Hit the donate button so we can take this message on the road Absolutely. and take it all across the country. 
By the way, Madeline, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And the whole country just has such respect for you. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Paul Zuber to find out. Paul Zuber is is, uh, in Albany, and uh, he is... Tell us the organization again, Don Paul. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the Business Council of New York State. Representing um, 3,200 3, uh, businesses in New York State. And uh, you don't want 3,000 uh, people to move out. Yeah, and Paul, we were just talking with uh, Madeline. You just heard how passionate, I mean, a victim of crime. Crime is a big reason businesses are moving out. Paul, it's... It's it's Richard Weinberg. So I understand they're moving closer to a deal. But it seems to me, based on last night's reports, you have three big issues that haven't been resolved. One is the so-called bail reform. The second Mm -hmm. is the the statewide zoning takeover by the state government over localities. And the third is the so-called good cause eviction bill, which will impose statewide uh, Rent control. Well, we got What's happening? Governor Patterson says he's got some breaking news. Governor? Well, I spoke to someone, and I won't say who it was, who feels Secrets. that the, <laughs> that the um, non-financial parts of the budget are pretty much settled. So now they're going to go on to, you know, basically the numbers, and yes. that, that that's a move in the right direction. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. And, and, and uh, Governor, my sister, Pat, Wants me to say hello to you. I know. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> so, so Paul, so what's yeah. hap- what do you hear is happening now in terms of the deal? Well, um, you know, there, it was funny, and and the governor knows this. There was there was a lack of urgency the last couple of days. It seemed, you know, usually know when the budget's getting done because you can see staff scurrying around. Um, within the last couple of hours, uh, there's been a lot of movement, and I think the governor is right in his assessment and the information he's gotten. I think, you know, the main issues that the governor was, Governor Hochul was pushing, uh, bail reform is sort of kind of done. I mean, you know, we've been told for the last two weeks that there's a deal in place, although, you know, no one has said what the deal is. And and if you listen to Speaker Hasty, he continues to say that it's not quite there yet. And then with housing, um, it seems as though from my understanding and the conversations that I've had with uh, folks, uh, most of the housing stuff was taken off the table. So they took uh, good cause eviction off the table. They'll deal with it later. Um, it seems as though they took off the uh, the 421A um, tax abatement program that, you know, everybody rightfully thinks um, should be put back in place to create more affordable housing in New York City. Um, that seemed to drop out um, late last night. So I think with those two items um, kind of being there, it kind of created a uh, new pace. Can we can we have energy. a burial? Can we have a burial song for New York State? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're taking all those out and keeping. You know, we we played a burial song for Chicago a couple of weeks ago. We're going to come up with a funeral song for New York State. We need it after that, John. Wow! How about Amazing Grace. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, you know, um, there's still there's still more in the budget that could that could happen that. Um, I think we're we're really concerned with um, such as the uh, proposal to increase minimum wage to twenty one dollars and twenty five cents. Um, that's still out there. Um, there's still some energy issues out there, um, especially with the um, gas ban on new construction. Now that's that's an interesting uh, issue because it seemed like it was a done deal, but you have a decision by the federal court in California 
which um, overturned a local um, gas ban, the first in the in the country. Yeah, they um, did that on preemption said, grounds. They said it's preemptive. We've got to go. So, so Paul, uh, thank you. You want to stay on till after the break? Stay on for yeah, a few minutes. Okay, anything. let's, let's stay on. Need. Let's go uh, to Lou Dobbs and uh, break, and we're going to have Paul Zuber on after the break, too. Part two. <laughs> Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at Virginia.org. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Paul Zuba, we are back, and uh, where were we? I mean, uh, there's such a mess in Albany. I'm losing track. Uh, we're worried about the bail law. We're worried there's not going to be no 421A. Uh, we were looking for the right funeral song to play for New York. There was a little bit there, John. Did you hear? There was a little bit. Let's play it again. No, there it is. There it is. It's a little bit. Breaking it's, no, it's better than that. <laughs> That's too long. New York is going to die better than that. I mean, uh, you know, Governor Patterson, what do you hear? Are they really going to screw up like that? Are we going to uh, we're going to close down our city and state? Well, what I what I heard again is that they have basically resolved the issues that are outside the budget process. They're now going to settle the the numbers. So this is a belief that they have agreements. And uh, a lot of the lobbyists are telling—I mean—are telling their clients to start calling the legislators because this is a last minute. Is, that, is this going to happen tomorrow, Monday, oh, I don't, I don't Monday, could, Tuesday? I don't think it could happen in a day, but I think it could happen in a week. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tony Carbonetti, chief, former chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani. John, you, you always joke that we're in bizarro world. Yes. And, and think about it: they want to increase crime, increase taxes. And deter economic development. And they want everybody to leave. Everybody's who's going to pay the taxes? It's bizarro world. It really oh. is. I, I don't know what's well, going on up there. And we have to live with it. Well, you know, I, I think one thing that's frustrating for us at the Business Council is you can't use the word affordability and just blurt it out any time that you want to get something done. You know, you hear it all the time in Albany now. Affordability, affordability. We're going to make New York more affordable, yet you don't do anything to actually get to that end result. So 421A is a perfect example. You're not going to get affordable housing built in New York City without that incentive. It's, it's clear. It's, it's yeah. too expensive to build in New it's, York City. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So stop using the word affordability. You're talking about the, you know, the new climate law. The, the governor's own people said that Prices are going to go up on, on consumers. Gas prices are going to go up. Home heating prices are, are going to go up. Stop using the word affordability if you do not mean it, because the reason people are leaving yeah. the state is because the other states are affordable. And the New other York. states are affordable, and there's less crime. Uh, Paul Zuber, have a great weekend, and uh, if they, we hear anything next day or two, we'll, we'll, we're going to grab you. All right. Thank you very Thank much. You. And I promise next time I'm there, I'll share pictures of, of the governor when he went to my sister's Halloween party as a little kid. So. Oh, I want those. We, how, much, how much are you charging for those? <laughs> Thank you so much. And Paul Zuber, the uh, Business Council in New York, representing 3,200 companies. I hope we have him 
3,200 companies left. Uh, now, our next guest is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky. And he's going to tell us what the heck happened. That rocket blew up. What what happened, Steve? <laughs> well, good evening, John. Good to be on Cats and Cosby. A big exciting day for space fans, sort of, as Elon Musk launches his $3 billion skyrocket. As the rocket gets up to about 127,000 feet, well, it couldn't separate. The Starship you know, spacecraft couldn't separate from the booster. So I'm confident, as many people are, that the range officers down there decided to put the destruct button into process. So we lost that particular rocket, but they're claiming it's a success, and it really is in many ways. I know that's ironic. It actually cleared the launch tower, which is what even Elon Musk said. He was hoping that it would at least get off the ground. And this particular rocket, what could have happened, John, is like what happened with Russia. They had an N1 moon rocket back in 1969 that was about as tall as this Elon Musk big Starship rocket. And sadly, it exploded on the launch pad. It blew the launch tower to pieces and killed about 100 people. So Elon Musk has got some credit going on here. It's the first of many test flights, as he's talked about. Now, I understand it has 33 rockets, and I heard yes. uh, from someone that five of the 33 didn't work, which uh, started to put the rocket into a tailspin. Now, that is when, correct. when you have 33 rockets, doesn't that increase your chances of having a, something go wrong? Yes, John, that's a very technical issue. But these rocket motors, just so people know, they're known as the Raptor engines. And they're a different kind of propellant. The uh, Saturn V used what's called RP-1, simply re referred to as a kerosene mixture in liquid oxygen. He's using liquid oxygen and liquid methane. But going to the point, these 33 motors, they have gimbals on these. So in other words, they can move left and right to you know, change the direction of the thrust. Apparently, as we report, five of those engines didn't work properly. So that alone would cause this rocket, if people take a look or have seen the video, it's almost sad to see the rocket going up, and now it's starting to do this circular motion. But the biggest, most dynamic thing, John, that they think they got out of this, any rocket that has to go out of space has to pass something called Max-Q. What is that? Maximum dynamic pressure, without getting too technical here. That's the greatest stress that's on a rocket when it's going up into space. And if you and I in the audience there and the studio guests were going to go to space, it takes us two and a half minutes to get to space, which space is defined at 62 miles above the Earth. And even if things went better, you and I and the rest of us listening would be weightless in orbit eight and a half minutes later. So it's a short ride up. So Elon Musk has got to do a lot on the drawing board still. And the FAA has grounded their future launches, of course. But it took a long time for them to get certified because there's 75 different compliance items that they had to do. And one of them was no launches on holidays so the people on the beaches can enjoy it. But I still think it's a success. Even but we're not we charging them admission to watch, to watch the launch. <laughs> no, they couldn't. <laughs> well, there were a lot of people there that did see it. They saw history. But hopefully they'll get this going because, John, that starship, which is made of stainless steel, that's the rocket on top, looks like a 1950s uh, you know, sci-fi movie rocket. That's the rocket that they're going to use once Flash they get in orbit. Oh, yeah. And they're <laughs> going to go to the surface of the moon with that. Very well, cool. I, I just want to know what happened to... Real quick, Rudy. What happened to their stock? <laughs> it went down 17 yeah, points. Exactly. Sure. All we right. got to check that out for sure, Rudy. You bet. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, I love uh, Steve Dr. Case, Sky. <laughs> and we'll talk about it more. Again. You're going to be coming on my Sunday show. And uh, Absolutely. the Cats Roundtable between uh, 8 and 10. 
and Dr. Sky will tell us more about it on Sunday. Thank you so much. Always an honor, John. Have a good night. Good. Thank and you, now Dr. we have Scott. Dr. Peter Mihalos, our in-house genius uh, in, in in everything, a little medicine, in science, in history. And today, what are we talking about today, Dr. Mihalos? We're going to be talking a little bit more about electric cars and some new revelations. But first of all, great to be with the Katz and Cosby and the rest of the A-team there. And uh, what happened was some engineers started asking some questions because the average weight of a car was about 3,000 pounds in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. And some of the new electric cars weigh weigh from 4,000 pounds up to some of those electric SUVs weighing 9,000 pounds. And they said, wait a roof. Yeah, and by and the way, goes, uh, the parking garage. Exactly. How about the big uh, collapse yeah. of the parking garage this week? Wow. Well, yeah, the parking garages have a lot of rebar that has metal in it that's rusting out that haven't had proper maintenance and update. So these engineers are basically telling people around the world, hey, guys, as you get more of these super heavy electric cars, you better start beefing up the floors by at least 20% putting in more beams, more poles, and reinforcing Are we saying that these garage owners are having a oh-crap moment? Yeah, that's to put it mildly, John. I love how John puts it in plain speak. <laughs> I think the insurance companies are having an even larger uh, moment. They're having a, now, you know. But doctor, with all these cars blowing up, how can you put them in, in these garages? If one car blows up, what happens? Well, one of the problems is a lot of these chargers and superchargers, the problems have been that some of these batteries can't handle these new accelerated chargers, and there have been fires. And as we found out in Florida, salt water shorts out electric cars, and there's been fires in some buildings, and the smoke and the hydrogen cyanide gas that's very toxic has gone up in some of these apartments. One of our mutual friends that we both know from the Hamptons, a radiologist, they couldn't go into their apartment in uh, Naples, Florida, all winter because of that. So this is something that has to be reassessed. But one of the bigger things that's even more concerned for safety is the weight of these electric cars is much heavier than all the other regular cars, smaller cars, and even the four-door regular size sedans. And that weight disparity, the, uh, the, in, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety is very concerned that we're going to be seeing more <laughs> fatalities when these heavier cars are hitting these lighter cars and that weight disparity will cause a tremendous um, increase in the number of accidents, fatalities, and debilitating injuries and disabilities. So that's another big issue, the weight disparity that people aren't really talking about. But the Insurance Institute has a great uh, concern that in a crash, uh, they Doc- won't uh, fare as well. Thank you. Dr. Mihalos, we're going to talk about it some more on our Sunday Cats Roundtable. And you're going to be on with Dr. Sky between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. And uh, thank you, and and keep making us smarter. We want to live thank longer, you. and we want to be smarter. Thank you so much, Dr. Michalos. Thanks for getting the truth out. Thank you. Awesome. Let's take a break right now, and we're going to come back with Miranda Devine. She's got some story to tell about what the heck is going on in the, in the world, and you're not going to believe this one. Let's take a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, that's it. Wow, what a what a show we've been having. And uh, guys, what's your reaction? I mean, between uh, our city, our state, our country, anybody have any gut feeling? John, I, I think what Michael Goodwin said before about the politicians not having to walk the streets themselves. If you're a New Yorker, crime, the, the city's a vibe. You can give all the statistics you want. You know when you're outside walking the streets and riding the subway you know, you could feel it, okay? You you know there's increased crime. Rita, what do we have? We got... Yeah, we got yeah, actually... Yeah, you're right, increased crime, because, look, I'm a big guy, you're a big guy, and, uh, you know, I have a, a... Might as well say it, I have a carry permit for 40 years. And uh, let me tell you something. I don't walk around at night without it. You shouldn't. Yeah, sure. and by the way, speaking of crime, uh, somebody's investigating, of course, Hunter Biden in a big way. And now we have joining us Miranda Devine, who is joining us now here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, of course, the great Fox News uh, contributor and New York Post columnist. Miranda, tell us about some of these bombshells related to Hunter Biden. Well, they're coming thick and fast. And uh, I think a lot of that is because of the good work that's being done in the first hundred days of the Republicans taking over the House. Um, They've really uh, dug into a lot of financial records. Uh, They have also prompted, I think, uh, with their questioning of various people like Attorney General Merrick Garland, they have prompted whistleblowers to come forward, including um, a a very senior IRS uh, uh, investigator, criminal investigator, who has come forward to claim as a whistleblower that uh, there has been obstruction by the federal DOJ of uh, the investigation into Hunter Biden that's being conducted by the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Um, and this is um, particularly on tax uh, tax evasion allegations. Um, there, uh, the uh, the U.S. attorney David Weiss has to get permission from um, the U.S. attorneys in California and in Washington D.C., who of course are Biden appointees, to uh, bring charges in those jurisdictions where Hunter Biden lived. And apparently, according to this whistleblower, uh, they're getting stonewalled and the entire investigation has just stopped. And so that's another uh, sort of part of the jigsaw puzzle that's coming together. We also know from financial records that Jim Comer, the head of the Oversight Committee, um, has discovered that uh, there are, he said now that he's found an additional six Biden family members who have benefited from the Biden family business. And he said it's evident also that the Biden family business consists uh, purely in selling access to Joe Biden. No, we got to interrupt. I know. Well, you know what? I wanted to ask you, um, you know, fill us in, by the way, on this other thing with Tony Blinken, because this is a bombshell. um, And what it basically leads to is connects the dots to Biden. This could be really interesting, John. This is a big thing. Now, I understand that Tony Blinken uh, solicited all the uh, ex-CIA, NSA people 
for signatures and say uh, the the president wants your signature on this thing. What 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 exactly happened, uh, Miranda? And this is the fifty uh, fifty one the fifty one intelligence, intelligence officers. officers who right. remember Biden was waving it during the famous debate with Trump, saying, "Look, there's nothing to see here. It's Russian disinformation." Made it sound like it was some independent group. Well, now Miranda, it turns out uh, it wasn't really independent, right? Yes, well, I'm just about to, uh, we're just about to publish, I've just finished writing a story um, about that. We have the the sworn testimony that former acting CIA Director Mike Morell gave to the House Judiciary Committee last week that Antony Blinken, who's now the Secretary of State, uh, was then a senior campaign official on Biden's presidential campaign, who reached out to him uh, just a couple of days after our story in the New York Post was published from Hunter Biden's laptop um, that was very embarrassing and damning towards Joe Biden. Uh, and uh, Anthony Blinken basically caused Mike Morell to, to organise this letter falsely claiming that uh, the emails on the laptop and therefore our story was Russian disinformation. He got 50 of his colleagues, uh, most of them from the CIA, to sign that letter to use the great authority of their former officers to uh, basically discredit our reporting and pretend that this was some sort of Russian plant. And as you rightly say, Rita, just a couple of days after that, Joe Biden stood on stage in the final debate against Donald Trump and he pretended that our reporting that these emails were a Russian plant and he got away with it. It got him off the hook and it probably won him the election. Miranda, it's Richard Weinberg. That's exactly right. That kind of disinformation from Joe Biden when he knew that this was a chased up document, it was a fraudulent document to mislead the American people could have changed the result of that election. Isn't that correct? That's right. Well, there's polling to show that. I mean, this was an election that was won by just 45,000 votes in a handful of uh, a handful of states. And uh, we know from the polling that a, a significant number of Biden voters would have changed their vote had Ms. they known about Ms. this. Ms. Miranda, uh, this is Rudy Washington. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm just so disheartened by all of this because nobody's going to be held accountable. I mean, how often are we going to be doing this? And nobody goes to jail. Although this I may mean, be different with this IRS whistleblower. He's a senior guy, John. Yeah, but I mean, look, that's you, interesting. you got Garland. Is he going to appoint a special prosecutor? Well, we, he's already apparently said no. Exactly. So it almost becomes an exercise. Although I'm not sure, Judge. you think it's going to be different this time real quick? I'm hopeful that there's be enough moral outrage that something will be done. Tony, uh, Governor? What do you think of? I, I, wish, I wish there was something different. I don't see it. Uh, I don't think they're going to appoint a special prosecutor, <clears throat> and that's going to damage the administration's position. Yeah. Well, Miranda, thank you so much, and uh, I look forward to seeing you real soon, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Miranda. Great to be with you. And, guys, uh, all we can do is stand. What do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American, American way. way. Good night, Superman. Man.